Welcome into episode 7 of BTN's Take 10 podcast. I'm Alex Rue of BTN.com, and I'm very excited for another week of the show. If you haven't noticed yet, I am trying to hit every school in the Big Ten with my guests. We are seven episodes deep now, and I actually have not doubled up yet. So while there may be some overlap in the future, I promise to get to every school in the Big Ten eventually. And that's an exciting prospect because the potential for guests is so deep with all the current and former great athletes and media personalities that this conference has produced over the years. And the latest guest on the show is both a former athlete and current media personality. It's former Wisconsin basketball player Ben Brust. Ben and I get into a ton of stuff during our hour-plus long discussion, including last week's NBA draft, the future of the Wisconsin Badgers, and a budding acting career for Ben that you might not be aware of just yet, but as I'll tell you, coming coming up here is already well underway. So before we get right to it, I'm going to have to give you my weekly plea to download, subscribe, rate the Take 10 podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to, and leave comments on the show if you like it. And this is certainly one of our longer episodes, so I'm not going to leave you in suspense any longer. Let's get into Take 10's discussion with Ben Brust. I'm excited to be joined by former Wisconsin basketball player Ben Bruss. Ben played for the Badgers from 2010 to 2014 and finished as one of the best three-point shooters in Wisconsin history with a 2014 Final Four appearance to his name as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Brust. What's up, Ben? Nothing, man. I like the intro. That uh, makes me feel good inside. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you uh, look back on it. You had a, a pretty good run there at Wisconsin. So, uh, you yeah, that was, that was the first time that in a while where I've been introduced as like one of the best, not the best three-point shooter because Bronson obviously broke my record. Not only did he have to break my career record, he had to break the single season and single game as well. And broke the single game in the NCAA tournament against Virginia Tech. So, I I, I mean, I'm obviously happy for the kid. He was a freshman when I was a, a senior, and um, he's he's got some cool opportunities ahead of him right now as well. But just pretty funny and um, just interesting to hear. I know, man. I was I was going to say that's got to sting for you a little bit, and I was going to tease you a little bit about it later on, but uh, I'm glad you noticed that right away, that you're no longer the three-point king at Wisconsin. Yeah, you can go ahead and tease me all you want, but I would I would say this on the record, and I would say this to Bronson. Um, it took me two and a half, three years to do it. It took him all four. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So at least you got that on him. But, uh, got, got but yeah, man, thanks a lot for joining me. Um, I'm excited to talk hoops with a fellow podcast host. Uh, for the audience out there who might not be aware, Ben is now retired from basketball, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm done, but I dabble in some some men's leagues, and uh, I played in a pro-am in Madison the other day, which was pretty fun. That's cool. Yeah, so you're, you're still married to the game, as they say, um, especially because you started co-hosting a basketball-focused podcast earlier this year. It's called the Fundamentally Sound podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So it really, I had this idea of starting a podcast for a while, but I didn't really have the right person that I wanted to do it with, and I started putting some feelers out there. And I've gotten to know uh, some people from Barstool Sports, um, which has been very unique and interesting and a, and a great opportunity to be, to be friends with some of these guys. Um, Dan Katz, well, mo- known more as Big Cat, 
he's a Chicago guy who was a Wisconsin grad that I actually ended up meeting Dan my going into my senior year of college. And I told, like, I remember I was sitting in the locker room, like, Frank, Sam, and Josh, and the whole team, like, yeah, you guys should, you know, come hang out tonight. I'm, I'm you know, going out with Big Cat. And they're like, who the heck is Big Cat? Like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And now they're all on PMT and his podcast, and they all gotten to know him pretty well. So it's just kind of funny how that's all evolved. And um, so Big Cat was, you know, the, the Chicago Barstool guy. He, he started Barstool Chicago, and he has some writers who write for the Bears, the Blackhawks, the Bulls, um, White Sox, and Cubs. And when Dan moved to New York, we all went out one time for uh, for their Christmas party. And then I met the Cubs writer, the Bears writer, the Sox writer, the Blackhawks writer, who were all really, really good guys. And just kind of stayed friends with them since and went to one of them's 30th birthday party. Threw out my idea. They suggested I hit up Barstool Riggs, who is the college basketball blogger for them. And Riggs and I were DMing with a couple of them. And next thing you know, like a week later, we threw out an episode like like within a week. And it was just crazy how it all evolved. And um, now I think we're on episode like 13 or 14. We still have some sound issues, which are making me uh, a little frustrated. But we're going to figure those out. He's got some new microphones, and I'm going to get some new equipment soon. As this keeps evolving and growing, we have uh, a couple bars that are interested in doing some things. On like a Saturday morning before some games, we can record a podcast, uh, bring some people out to uh, enjoy the day and talk college basketball. So it's very it's very basketball focused. We'll talk anything basketball related, um, but I think our forte is going to be college basketball. So that's a little bit about how we got started, um, and I thoroughly enjoy it. But yeah, it's fundamentally sound, iTunes and Sound SoundCloud. As you know, the story you gotta you got to say all the different types of, of places you can go subscribe and listen. So yeah, man. that's a little bit about us. Yeah, when I was uh, starting this podcast, I was blown away by how really not very simple the whole process is and how kind of convoluted it all is with all the platforms you can host on, all the different audio issues you can run into. So, so yeah, I think we're, as both kind of starting out in this uh, this medium, it's it's definitely got its challenges, but it's a lot of fun for sure. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun, and it's got, like, it's, it's got the, the tough things that you learn. Like, it just becomes so much easier. Once you get it down, it's like it's like routine. You record at the audio. You put it here. You put it there. You, you tweet out at certain times. You, you get you get in the rhythm. There's definitely things you can do to enhance it, but it definitely becomes easier. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say to all the listeners out there, while you are uh, subscribing to the Take 10 podcast uh, on iTunes and all those other platforms, because I know you all are. Uh, you might as well go ahead and subscribe to the Fundamentally Sound podcast as well. Give Ben some love and uh, follow it on Twitter. It has a Twitter account. It's at FundamentallySD. Is that right? Yep, FundamentallySD. Thank right. you very much. All right. And uh, yeah, you said your your co-host is Riggs. What's his college basketball background besides um, just blogging it, blogging about it under the barstool umbrella? You'll actually find this interesting if, if you don't know anything about him. He's a Kentucky grad. of of all of all places. I'm you know I get teamed up with a guy who's a Kentucky grad. <laughs> Obviously, Kentucky ended my career, right. um, and then the next year they they beat the 38 and O team, as famously known as 38 and one to many of you Wisconsin fans listening. Um, yeah, Riggs. He I think he wrote for. 
I want to say SB Nation, um, but he, he's just a junkie. He's just a complete basketball junkie. He loves doing mock drafts and following college ba- or basketball. Sorry, I said baseball because this is, this is something I do when I'm on a podcast. I have to have something on the TV, and it always happens where something happens where I end up changing my train tr- uh, tr- tr- of thought because Wilson Contreras just hit a home run after John Lackey gave up six runs in three innings. So there is my rant about what I have on the TV. But going back to Riggs, uh, he, he wrote for SB Nation. I could talk about any team from, like, 2005 and on, and he'll know, like, every player or, or some random player or what their team did. So he's more of my statistical um, type, analytical type guy, um, which I think bodes well for the podcast because I'm more of the – you know, see it from a player's perspective that did some things um, that he wasn't necessarily able to do, and it just meshes. It just meshes pretty well um, when we're together. For sure, and it's got to be interesting for you, and I'm sure pretty amusing that you were hanging out with Dan Katz, Barstool Big Cat, and now him and uh, PFT commenter have really blown up, and now they're kind of a phenomenon. They're the most listened to, downloaded sports podcast and iTunes and, and it's just a, become a huge thing because I'm not really I, I, I wasn't really into barstool sports uh, and I still don't really visit the site or anything but I'm a big pardon my take fan because it's just they're so spot on and the satire is just unbelievably sharp and, and smart yeah no it definitely is and, and sometimes it gets a little too satire for me to be completely honest um, but that that's their shtick um, if you know what I'm saying yeah. and uh, and it, it big cat in my opinion, is one of the most clever, most, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. He's so on point with his tweets and his sarcasm and the crowd that he reaches, and it's so timely. Like, I've, I've never seen anyone, it's like a magician with a Twitter account. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, as you're kind of operating in this, this space now and you, you have a podcast, is sports commentary something you like enough to potentially try and do as a full-time career at some point, or is podcasting enough for you kind of as a side job? Yeah, well, right now it's it's about getting your feet wet and doing as many things as possible. Um, I'm putting together a little bit of a reel um, of some radio. I've done a lot of radio. I've hosted a couple shows. Um, I hosted Wildey and Tausch in Madison. I hosted the big show in Milwaukee gone on ESPN 1000 a lot. I may have a chance to go on with Cap and Company potentially. Um, so really just doing as much as I can and, uh, you know, putting together a bunch of videos, a lot of which that were recorded um, by the Big Ten Network. And uh, just putting together a reel. The more stuff you can get, the more stuff you can do, uh, the more comfortable you feel behind a microphone and find what perspective you want to bring and the people you're trying to reach um, so I really enjoy it as a side job right now, um, but I'm definitely not opposed to something full time. Of course, as I try and just figure out life after basketball. And you know, what's funny is people uh, people in Madison have been have been chirping me up a little bit because I randomly I don't know if you saw this at all, uh, but I landed a commercial gig, like a modeling commercial gig. Did you? I did not to know that? that. No, I did not. You did not. Well, that oh man, I should have let you uh, should have let you prep that. No, tell me about it. That's a my bad. So if you're interested and want to hear, I can I can go on with the story. It's actually please go not, on. Not please, please do. All right. So my sister in law has uh, two boys that are like three and five. I say 
I say like I don't know who they're like three and five because I have twelve nieces and nephews, so it gets a little confusing. Right, by your, all un- the age. your uncle Ben, Uncle Ben of twelve. So her two boys have done some some modeling for like Kohl's magazines and, and just little stuff like that. And in her Facebook feed, she saw something that said, "Looking for a male twenty three to twenty eight with basketball experience. Please send pictures to some email." And she tagged me in it and winked, and I was like, ha, 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 very funny. And then she was like, you should do it. And then she convinced me, and next thing I know, I sent in uh, some pictures of myself to the uh, to the email. And they emailed back, you have a great look. You should come to the casting. So, yeah, like next thing I know, I found the courage to go to some random casting in Chicago, um, somewhat close to where um, your studios are, actually. Yeah. Um, place called Trigger. Ever, ever driven by it? I don't believe so, but I, I don't drive. I'm a I'm a train and walk guy, so that's probably why. Uh, I, I'm on the same loop every day. So yeah, yeah. Then then you're definitely not coming by um, by that. So I I went to the casting and <laughs> you know I was hungry before I went to this thing, and I went and I got a double stack and like you know a, a junior bacon cheeseburger from Wendy's before I walked in. And I could just only imagine all these full-time models' faces if they knew what I had done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> They'd probably be horrified, you know, I'm sure. They they would be absolutely horrified. So I go in, and you know, they give me they give me a sign with my name. They're like, "Who are you represented by?" I'm like, "Nobody." And so they write, "Ben Brust, six one, off the street." <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "This is off to a great start, right?" I got this sign that says "Off the Street," like I'm some homeless person coming to the casting. Uh, then I have to go take pictures, and I play basketball with long sleeve nowadays because now that I'm done playing, I got to find every way to stay in shape. And as little as wearing a long sleeve, that's going to make me sweat more. There you <laughs> so go. I want to stay. I want to stay fit and lose weight, so I sweat more, and that's what happens when I uh, when I play now. And they made me take that off because it wasn't sleeveless, and they need to see because that was the look for the shoot. So next thing I know, I'm taking photographs, um, shirtless. Luckily, I, ha- I hadn't lost it yet, and I'd been working out for the last two months. So I showed okay, and I went to the video room. And that, you know, and that's where they were like, all right, tell me about your basketball experience. And I was like, all right, Ben, you, you don't like to do this in general. You don't like to talk about this stuff, but you have to. So Time to hum- you got to humble brag a little bit. I rattled off, like, all of my achievements. Like all of them, and then they were like, "Oh my gosh, that's amazing!" I was like, "Yeah, you know, I try." And uh, <laughs> I got the call the next week that said I got it, and I want they wanted me to meet the director. So it happens to be the director and film company was out of Madison, and the commercial I was shooting was for Unity Health Insurance, which is owned by UW Health, which airs now all across Wisconsin. <laughs> I get like one tweet you know, every three, four days from something. Is that you in the quartz commercial? <laughs> so just crazy how that all happened from a random casting to a commercial airing across Wisconsin. Just the, the irony and how it all happened was pretty That's crazy. pretty fantastic. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be on the lookout for you taking Hollywood by storm in the next five years or so. I can, I can tweet that one at you so you can get it out. Oh, absolutely, for sure. Um, and I mean this in like the least offensive way possible, but – you kind of look like, you know, one of the guys that would be in a, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say high school musical, but like, you know, just a, a generic, <laughs> uh, 
actor <laughs> playing a basketball player, but the difference is those guys, you can tell that they have never played basketball in their lives, and, and you, I'm sure you could you could pull it off pretty well. Yeah, so we, we've actually gotten to know James Lafferty pretty well, and you may not be familiar with One Tree Hill. Can't say I am. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, okay. but I'm not, I'm not a, was yeah, not a yeah, uh, viewer. I figured you'd heard of it, just because people, people our age, all the girls watch it, and Netflix, and they watched it growing up, and they love James Lafferty. He's, he was Nathan Scott, the star basketball player in the show. Okay. Um, man, I have stories for days. I, if you want to hear this story, this one's not bad, too. Dude, just keep letting them rip, man. We got, there's no time limit on this, so keep going. Uh, I got, so, so... Jordan Taylor got me into One Tree Hill, and next thing I know, I was hooked watching this kind of chick flicky show. But it had like basketball, and it was had some drama, and I, I loved it. It was it was great. It had me hooked. And then one day, Frank Kaminsky and I, because I got Frank into it, Frank and I saw a bunch of girls tweeting, "Oh my gosh, James Lafferty's at the terrace!" And the two girls that Frank and I are hop on a moped, and I hopped in my car, and then we like zoom down to the terrace and we're like standing in line with like 10 to 12 girls to take a picture with James Lafferty. And luckily his business manager, Eric Nelson, he went to Madison. He recognized Frank and I, and uh, we came over and talked to him and James was swarmed. So I had offered to take him back to our place because we had a nice patio. I was like, just come back to my place. We got a patio. We got beer. You can, um, you know, come relax and not get swamped by all the girls. And I kid you not, people got wind of that. And then my door was just getting knocked down like crazy because he, he's, he's like one of those crazy dream guys, I guess. Right. But that's, that's been my comparison is what people – you should you should now be James Lafferty and try and get a <laughs> get a show where you're – you know, lead actor playing basketball. Hey, dream, dream big. I, I definitely encourage you. Uh, why, why not? You can, you can always podcast, but uh, take advantage of this acting career while it's, while it's uh, still available for you. And, and that's, that's what the reel is for. I got, so I have some commercial material. I have some podcast material. I have some radio material and I'm putting together some TV material. So anyone like, listening to this, I, like I'm the, like the jack of all trades. The here. Justin Timberlake of college basketball, ex-college basketball players. Can do it all. I don't know if I want to be JT. Actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> that wouldn't be bad, would it? What What can't JT do? Just answer that, and then and then uh, allow that comparison to just wash over you a little bit. That's true. He's in movies. He's you know he's got just jams of songs. Going back to when I was young, gets the he ladies. Pro- I I mean I can't think of anything bad. He can dance. He, he's got the. Is whole he married to Jessica Biel? Uh, I think so, but I'm not really up to speed on my celebrity couples, so I'm going to assume they're not divorced or anything. Yeah, I'm not either, but yeah, good for him. <laughs> we've, all, we've all seen Chuck and Larry, correct? Oh, Chuck and Larry is uh, fantastic. The one with uh, Adam Sandler, Kevin James, right? And, and Jessica Biel, the best part, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That movie was uh, was one of the best uh, Kevin James productions outside of King of Queens, and like you said, Jessica Biel was not bad at bad in that one either yeah no that's 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 definitely a good one all right man i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna shift it back uh to yeah, basketball you a little bit you gotta get me on track no, i i know you're such a celebrity i gotta i gotta get you on track and and get your uh your star glazed eyes focused back on the podcast here um so since you're you are hosting fundamentally sound 
uh, that has to have you paying very close attention to what's going on in, in college basketball and, and pro basketball to an extent. So I, uh, I assume you followed the NBA draft, and I did want to get your thoughts on a pair of your former teammates who um, were obviously seniors last year and did not get their names called in the in the draft. That's Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig. Those are phenomenal four-year players who didn't get drafted. Nigel signed with the Knicks, and Koenig signed with the Bucks for uh, on summer league deals. So... When you were following the draft and uh, knowing those guys were on the bubble, what was your initial reaction to them not getting selected? Uh, not trying to correct you, but I believe um, Bronson got a two-way deal and Nigel got a summer league deal. Okay, I didn't know that, so I appreciate the... Uh, yeah, I, I believe it was two-way, um, which is really cool because they got this new two-way thing, which so I you think can go, is That's really back hard. and forth, right, from the D-League to the... Yeah, you can go back and forth. You make a little little more money than the D league. So it's a pretty good starting salary for someone coming out of school. And you're probably get, it's, it's pretty much saying like, Hey, you're our guy that we want to bring up to get some chances versus, Hey, you were a second rounder. We're going to stick you on the D league right. team. And like, you know, you fight, fight for yourself sort of thing. So it's a little more concrete that you're going to get an opportunity in the league. So I, I really do believe that we'll see Bronson um, in a Bucks uniform getting some time. Sure. Were you surprised they weren't weren't drafted, or uh, was that kind of expected as the mock drafts were rolling out and and it was looking not that likely that they'd be picked up? Yeah, I really wasn't surprised um, to be honest. I know Bronson um, had done well in some workouts, so I'm not surprised that he landed a two way deal. And to be honest, that that might be just as good as getting drafted in the second round, in my opinion. Um, and for Nigel. Um, obviously it's disappointing. I'm sure he's disappointed, but I think he's the type of guy that when, when a team is around him and sees how versatile he is in terms of he can, he can guard, you know, ones, he can guard fives. He can guard one through five and play somewhat one through five. He definitely needs to develop his jump shot and get it more consistent. Um, you know, cause the NBA three is even longer. He did not shoot a good percentage after his sophomore year of college. Um, so he, he definitely has some things to work on, but he's the type of guy that when you get him out there, he's going to compete and he's going to make an impact because he's so versatile and it's hard to find guys like that. Um, you know, a lot of these teams, you don't necessarily have to be a Steph Curry to make an impact. You can be like a Sean Livingston who, comes off the bench with his length and athleticism and plays a role that helps make a team better. Um, guys like Patrick, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just thinking of guys that are fresh in my mind because there's been a lot of trades going down today with right. CP3 to Houston and um, Pat Beverly was dealt to uh, the Clippers. And I think of it like, I'm just thinking of different guys who find a role um, and stick because of it. So if Nigel can make an impact being a, being a versatile defender um, that's kind of a hybrid player, maybe like a poor man's Draymond Green. Like he can he can find a spot somewhere. He's just got to land in the right situation. Yeah. Now that the Knicks might be cleaning house a little bit, there's rumors about Carmelo Anthony joining Chris Paul in Houston. You never know. You might need a, a forward to step in and, and eat up some minutes there. I also think it was hilarious that uh, before Wisconsin's Sweet 16 game in New York City. This past March, Nigel, who uh, we all know is not afraid to be outspoken, talked about how 
New York was was dirty, it was too crowded, and kind of kind of bashed the city a little bit. Ended up in the tabloids and all that crazy stuff. And then, of course, it gets drafted by the Knicks. So I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, how many times does that happen? I feel like it happens <laughs> so routinely now. I almost think like the people are, who who draft and sign people like. Let's show that guy. Let's show that guy how good our city really is, and they, they just want to bring him on so they can get some good PR for it. Maybe Nigel learned to love New York City. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. Um, you never. But but like you said, they're they're cleaning house, and they're um, definitely going to have some opportunity. And I'll tell you what: if if you're good enough, you'll you'll make the team. You just got to play well. You know, he's now got an opportunity. If he gets to camp and gets through summer league and um, hasn't makes an impact. It will be noticed. So it doesn't just just because you didn't get drafted, and sometimes getting um, drafted in the second round can be kind of bad. He got to get signed by someone who clearly wants to take a look at him, and um, you got an opportunity. Take it. Take take advantage of. It, make the most of it. Absolutely. Yeah. And. I mean, obviously, the NBA is a it's a business, and uh, guys won't make the team based off feel good stories or anything. But obviously, a lot of Wisconsin fans are going to be happy that Bronson Canning was picked up by the Bucks, and he'll have a huge following and support in that city. And like you mentioned, having that two way contract is is huge for his chances to uh, at least you know hang around. Even if he gets sent down, it's not the end of the world. He can always bounce back and forth. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely head over. To Milwaukee, um, you know, if, if he if he's playing, go check him out. I mean, that's a quick, easy drive from the Chicago area. Um, you know, I actually was texting with him a little bit. He was he was pretty excited as he should be, but he landed in a really really good spot, a unique spot for him, a team that needs shooting, and that kid can shoot. Um, you know, a team that you get a point guard like Bronson who can, like I said, shoot, but he can play pick and roll as well. Um, I got the opportunity to play Milwaukee Bucks Summer League after my senior year, and um, I dabbled with the point guard position in practice, and I learned so much in those practices from Jason Kidd, um, being hands-on, working with the young kids, um, especially in the pick-and-roll stuff. Um, and Bronson's a pretty good pretty good pick-and-roll player as is. So I, I really am excited for the opportunity he has with the people around him, um, what the, what that team needs him to do. Um, so I, I'm, ex- I'm excited for him and ready to watch. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't do much better than Hall of Fame point guard coach in pretty much the hometown city. I mean, it's, like you said, it's a, it's a pretty ideal situation for him, especially considering his strengths. And the thing about Nigel Hayes and, and Bronson Koenig these guys are obviously great basketball players for four years at Wisconsin. They're they're beloved by that fan base, but those two are probably the most uh, introspective, socially active, very involved duo regarding issues off the court, and that's probably like in the recent history of the Big Ten, if not the entire history of the Big Ten. And it's not that those guys were were really doing stuff together, but they were kind of involved and passionate about their their own separate interests and values off the court. Bronson had his uh, Ho-Chunk Native American heritage. He uh, was very outspoken on the, the Standing Rock issue and took a, took a trip there. And then Nigel was very uh, adamant about his belief that college athletes should be paid. And he did a, a ton of highly um, visible charity work at hospitals and, and with, with sick kids and families. 
and things like that. And, and the way they just delivered those messages and represented themselves was just really impressive to me, especially as they grew into uh, upperclassmen and, and especially their senior year. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. And I think they, they looked at the opportunity they had at, at the University of Wisconsin. Um, we were able to do some really, really cool things um, for some really, really good teams on a really, really big platform. I mean, these kids kind of turned into to many, many celebrities. Um, I, I wouldn't say nationally, but obviously everyone in the state of Wisconsin knew them. And um, a little bit more in the college basketball world, pe- people knew them. Bronson was hitting big shots um, from the time he stepped on the floor as a freshman to when he left his career as a senior. And, and Nigel has made an impact as well. So if you, if you just look at the stage they had, they, I think they said to themselves, we believe strongly and are educated on some, some life social events that we can impact and do good for the community. Um, and and I, you know, I, I, I applaud them for that. Um, Bronson's very passionate about his Native American heritage. Um, Nigel really believes in um, social justice and just getting, getting the world to be a better place, and he's made an impact. At times, to be honest, I, you know, I wish Nigel could have gone away where, like, there's just one situation. I don't know if you remember when he had the Venmo out and got on college yep, game Yep, the day. sign at uh, college game day, yeah. Yes. So the, the whole thing that he got went to the Boys and Girls Club of Madison, which he right. had a relationship with, dire- with the director. But... To me, it's like, why not, why not tweet that out and say, look for me on college game day. Um, I'm going to have this sign that all proceeds go to the Boys and Girls Club. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I get it. Because, I, I mean, it invites the backlash. I don't know if he was trying to just start a conversation, but I, I can see what you're saying and how, you know, it, it could have eliminated some of the backlash against it if he would have provided some context beforehand. Yeah, no, because he's got a great heart and he's a great kid and, um, Love spending time with him. I got to, I got to try and help him a little bit with his free throws. I didn't really say much, but um, I, was, I was that shoot around. You know, I felt like I didn't even have to say anything because the kid works so hard, and um, you know, he gets to the line, and he still believes he's going to make it every time. Just, and that's why his worth ethic will hopefully push him to a spot where he lands on a roster. But I. That's why everyone's different, though. We're, we're different people. The way I would do things would be different than he would do things. And that's okay. And I, I just, again, applaud them for making a difference in the community. Um, I really enjoyed the story about what that money did for the Boys and Girls Club of Madison. You can see the impact that he made on those kids and in the community. And that, that's hard to find. It's really hard to find in a consistent level. Um, not saying that others don't do this, but to find as much good as those two did in their communities is really tough to find in most college basketball programs. Sure. And as they're moving into their next chapters of their careers, uh, they both wrote pieces for the Players' Tribune recently, and I definitely encourage everyone out there to Google those and, and check those out because they were both really fantastically written pieces. I know that they, they have editors and everything like that, that that make them all pretty for them, but they were really, really well done. And I do want to get into Bronson's piece a little bit that came out just before the draft because it focused mostly on his prep for the NBA draft and how badly it was kind of a plea to NBA teams to, to give him a chance. And obviously he didn't get drafted, but the piece 
makes the case on, on, on why he deserves a, a spot in the league. Basically, he said he's become a gym rat, shut out the rest of the world while focusing on his, on his ultimate goal of reaching the NBA. And to do that, his, his way of pretty much uh, narrowing that focus was to isolate himself and become pretty much antisocial because his days were just so regimented with workouts. So my question for you is, is that what all players have to do at that level, or is that just a personality trait of Bronson's that that's how he, he prepares for you know what, what's pretty much the biggest uh, time of his life right now? I definitely think it's case by case um, in a different in a different way. I don't want to take that as like, oh, you don't have to you don't have to do that to be able to to make it. But for a kid like Bronson, who you know wasn't at the top of the draft boards, um, had a really good four year career, but still wasn't someone who sounded like it was going to get drafted. You have to do something different. You already do something different already as it is. You set records at Wisconsin. You were part of a historic run in Wisconsin history. But you got to do something more different. You got to do something to make yourself stand out more. And he did that. He was, you know, flying all over the country, prepping, training, rehabbing, crushing it at workouts. You have to have that type of impact when you're a Bronson Koenig and that type of player. Um, that being said, I don't know, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but someone who's six eight, long and athletic, they may not have had as good of a year as Bronson Koenig, but, and they may not have had to work as hard as Bronson Koenig did, but that's reality. That's just, that's just how it works. That's real life, and that's why you got to find ways to separate yourself and differentiate and leave an impact. And I think that letter did, his work ethic did, and what he did in workouts um, ultimately landed him in a situation where he's got a chance. And that's yeah. all you look all you gotta ask for is a chance. Yeah, I mean he was talking about not doing anything at all for fun in that that article and it kinda bummed me out a little bit to be honest just reading it because it seems kinda like a depressing lifestyle that he was he was living for a while there. But it also I mean it's pretty cool that um he was willing to go that far to to carve out a spot in the league. Yeah, it makes the uh the rise to the top that much sweeter for sure um and just to kind of twist the knife in you a little bit again he did say in the article that he was the best shooter in the incoming draft class and and to evidence that he pointed out that he was the all-time leading three-point shooter in wisconsin history so just another little dig at you there unintentionally i thought i was past that with you (laughs) in this podcast but sure you got one lined up for me later too yeah, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stick on the NBA draft topic as we move on. Uh, I'm gonna read you a list of names, and you tell me that, say, two years ago, which one of them or, or who you might have been the most surprised went undrafted off of this list? Because this is a list of Big Ten players that were all very successful in college and ended up going undrafted this year, and we'll include Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig on it as well. So those two, uh, there's Malcolm Hill from Illinois. James Blackman Jr. from Indiana, Peter Jock from Iowa, Melo Trimble from Maryland, and Derek Walton Jr. That's kind of the that kind of rounds out the list of guys who had a chance to be drafted and did not end up being drafted. And for me personally, Melo Trimble, I mean, that was a guy that seemed like it was can't miss first round after his freshman season. And then he stuck around in college and that was kind of questioned at the time. And then uh two years later he he falls kind of off the the draft map completely and, and now has to go out there and, and 
earn a spot. It's kind of a long shot now at this point. Yeah, I think I think what we could do after a talk mellow is, I mean, we would obviously talk Nigel and Bronson, but go through the rest of the list. I have some thoughts um, written down, but I want to go in your order, and we can kind of kind of go from there. But yeah, um, this is a case by case thing um, when it comes to leaving and when you should leave, because m- most people. Oh no, no, this is this is big. This is big. I'm doing the TV thing, but Chris Bryant just caught a foul ball and then rolled his ankle on a base, and now he's down on the ground. Are you kidding me? I don't think you, this day could get any worse or just, like, more weird for the Cubs. Yeah, big Cubs fan, and, I, I mean, and I've been following the whole Montero thing, and and this podcast comes out Friday, so um, we'll probably know by then. Everyone listening will know Chris Bryant's fate, but um, it's just been a weird <laughs> season and a weird 24 hours for the, for the Cubs. It just doesn't feel... At all, like last season did, which is pretty much a, a cakewalk last season. So, no, I feel I feel so weird about it right now. I just I feel weird about the guys on the team, how they're meshing, and it's just, it's just been off. Something's off, and we we can discuss this a little later. But um, back to Mello, um, you could make an argument that he should have left his freshman year, but you can also also make an argument that he was also still kind of on the fence of could could have got pushed to. Um, late first round, early second, and you know what he did his next two years wasn't bad, but it exposed um, that he's not that next level type point guard. And who's to say that he leaves early? And that does, that same thing happens when he's in the pre-draft and the workouts. You know what I mean? So yeah, you could say yes, but you never really know when it comes to that. No, absolutely. Yeah, I do think. I mean, a lot of people make a big deal. Uh, only two seniors were taken in the first round last week, and that's I think that's the fewest ever. A lot of people say that oh, the league is shifting to, you know, it, it pretty much tosses out old players and and doesn't give them as fair a shot at getting drafted as it used to, and that players should in turn leave earlier from school. I'm not sure I buy that that notion on the surface uh, just yet because I, I do agree that I think it's pretty much a case by case basis, and there's always going to be exceptions. No, I, I agree because I'm going to quote, not quote, but I'm going to reference one of my teammates who was National Player of the Year, Frank Kaminsky. Frank Kaminsky could have left and probably been a first rounder um, as a junior, but wasn't necessarily a lottery lock. Um, you know, he he then goes out as a junior, comes a senior, and wins National Player of the Year, becomes a lottery pick for the Charlotte Hornets. There's, there's more of those stories out there where someone stays and, um, you know, gets drafted. But um, there's just – when I say more, there's more than just that one. But there's way more of those that you hear that are, hey, yeah, you should, you know, you should leave. You, you know, leave now. Um, you know, you got to take the money. And they say, you know, I can, I can get better. And then they just plateau and – get exposed you, you hear about those more in the media because it's it's just it's more relevant they keep they keep getting talked about each year and each year and each year i think it gives more time for both people who stay and make it and stay and don't make it it gives it gives them time to pick their game apart so the ones that make it make it because they weren't able to be exposed and the ones who don't time will tell how good you really are yeah that makes a lot of sense and um i mean looking at the other players that i mentioned that were not drafted. None of them really shocked me. It also wouldn't shock me if if some of these guys end up making it. I think Peter Jock is a good enough shooter that 
he could potentially make a roster. Derek Walton Jr. kind of reminds me of Yogi Ferrell in the sense that he, I mean, he didn't pro- he didn't play as well for four years. I don't think as Walton did, even though they both had phenomenal careers. But Walton, I mean, looked like an ex-level point guard at the end of the last season. So it would not surprise me if any of these guys, you know, get a shot. And then it really wouldn't surprise me if Jock or Walton find their way into a roster. Yeah, that's interesting uh, um, on the Derek Walton thing. Maybe my mind is is too caught up in what I knew. But it was it was so weird because when Derek Walton was a freshman, I was guarding him. And it, he was one of those guys I guarded from the free throw line at the time, you know? Right. So, so in my head, he will probably always be that Derek Walton that I guarded from the free throw line, even though I watched all the postseason and he was an unbelievable player, averaging like eighteen seven and five. I mean, he was, he was putting up some huge numbers. Um, but for some reason, I found Yogi more explosive and um, more more like NBA impactful. Derek Walton, I feel like, just mastered that Michigan system and mastered the college game, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I can, I can see where and you're coming then, from. Go, yeah, go ahead. And then for, for Peter Jock, um, I, think, I think he definitely could. I think he, um, the way he came off screens and the way he ran off the motion offense that Coach McCaffrey ran, um, I think he could definitely be a first spacer for someone. And for someone who runs a lot of set plays where you're coming off screens and lots of movements, um, I think he could fit in somewhere for sure. Yeah, sure thing. And we'll just have to see uh, how it plays out, who sticks, and, and who's playing overseas a few months from now. But um, I, I'm going to shift to a, a bit of a lighter NBA draft topic, and it, it encompasses other sports as well. And I want to get your thoughts on it, on this ongoing trend, especially you being the minor Twitter celebrity that you are. Uh, being You're verified. you got 20,000-plus followers, so that – that gets you some clout in the Twitterverse. Um, but we just went through another NBA draft where guys get elevated overnight pretty much from regional fame to national fame. And that means, of course, at least one, one guy gets exposed for some hilariously inappropriate tweets when they, were, when they were younger. And usually it's in the middle school, high school range. In this case, it was Dennis Smith Jr. from North Carolina State. And I'm not going to read the tweet because it's, it's not something I don't think we can uh, get away with on the podcast, but it's definitely not something that, that Dallas Mavericks would want out there. So I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, what are these agents doing that they're not going back through these athletes' Twitter accounts and, and scrubbing them, you know? Because, like, this happens every draft night, every time a player breaks out and has a big game that, that was unknown and just kind of surfaces in the pros, it, it, it's... It always happens, and I feel like people would know better by now that that this hilarious trend would uh, would slow down. Yeah, see, like that, that's definitely a good idea that that all agents, if if anyone's an agent listening, should easily um, listen to and go do. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I hate to be in this instance not really politically correct here. But I think it's kind of awesome. <laughs> oh, I think it's not. I don't want to. Don't get me the. Uh, don't get me wrong here. It's fantastic. It's for my amusement, for my entertainment. I think it's hilarious. I just can't believe that by by now, like you know, people haven't figured it out yet. But it's it's definitely the best. <laughs> one of the best highlights of every draft night. Like, let's not ruin the fun here. Like, 
I, I remember laughing at the tweet, and then I just had to go look it up while I was talking about that real quick. And I just started laughing again because it's, it is funny. Like, I don't want them to start doing that. I don't think it should matter, to be com- completely honest. Um, oh, I guess yeah, most... it depends to what they're talking about. Hopefully it, it doesn't get into, you know, um, politics, race. That's when it gets yeah. a little most ugly of these and scary. Are, most of these are completely, completely harmless. Mostly they're it. very, very innocent, like... Hey, I'm I'm 18. Come on, think about when you were 18. <laughs> People say this stuff just to get a rise out of their friends, like yeah. And uh, and we've seen know. it with we saw it with Mitch Trubisky when he was Mitch drafted Trubisky, uh, by that the Bears. Funny. T-shirts um, were made for that, like within like five minutes. <laughs> Geronimo Allison of Illinois. I don't know if you remember when he kind of surfaced with the Packers and became a player for them, but there were some really really outlandish ones that serviced on his Twitter account, and, and they were equally hilarious. And I'm sure there are others, that, but I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. Yeah, I mean, Mitch Trubisky, I think, had, like, two that day. <laughs> he had uh, he had the one about um, butts, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and then he had one that was, like, Something about watching a Bears Packer game, and he was like rooting for the Packers. <laughs> yeah, that's the other. That's the. Uh, those are the ones that aren't as like embarrassing, but it's like, oh, this team that I'm now playing for sucks. Like I hate them. They're trash. All that. So yeah, very very similar to the like Nigel Hayes. New York City's really you know dirty, and it gets drafted. That's similar to the Mitch Trubisky when that one happens way more than the the Dennis Wood type tweet. Yeah. I love it. I I, I hope for the sake of Twitterverse and my laughter that more of these keep coming out because I, I love it. It's entertaining. I love the internet. I love I love everything that comes with it and how creative people are because it gives me a good laugh. Yeah, my if you, uh, I tell my friends about this all the time that my theory that we're in a golden age right now of these tweets that eventually people are going to figure it out and either – Kids are going to get old enough to know they can't tweet this at, like, you know, 15, 16, even though, you know, I don't want to overestimate the maturity of of athletes at that age. But agents, like I said, are going to figure it out. And this golden age of embarrassing athlete tweets that pop up out of nowhere is going to at least slow down pretty soon here. But I I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, too. And I I think you're wrong just because I want you to be wrong. (laughs) All right, last uh, last NBA topic before we move on. Uh, I assume, or I mean, we already talked about it this morning. You saw the big trade, Chris Paul to the Houston Rockets, and your Badger former Badger teammate Sam Decker was one of the players that went from the Rockets in the package sent back to the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm-hmm. How do you think this will uh, impact Sam's career? Do you think it'll give him more of an opportunity? Because I know the Rockets were pretty deep last year, and he was one of many pieces and. Before he before he suffered that injury just before the playoffs, so I'm curious to your thoughts on how this will impact Sam. Yeah, well, I kind of feel bad. Sam just bought a house in Houston, so now that's going on the market. Um, Brutal. That, that stinks. That stinks for him. But the good news is, is obviously the Clippers. When you're rebuilding and you send an asset over, you're trying to get pieces that you think could be good for the future. So the Clippers must see something in Sam. Um, that they're excited about. And, um, you know, I don't think he's going to go over there to, to, you know, to sit and watch veterans at this point. He's going to go over there to 
um, get better, hopefully play a bunch of minutes as long as he stays healthy. Um, and L.A. is not a bad place to be. Absolutely not. Have you have you talked to him about it at all? I don't know if you keep in touch with him regularly. No, I haven't talked to him about it at all yet. Um, it was just this morning, so I figured probably not. But Yeah, no, I, I'm sure. When when big news happens, I try not to be the guy who like blows up the phone because then you know to be honest, you're probably not even get gonna get a worthy response. You're probably just gonna get the short response. Right. To give it time to you know settle out um, and then have a conversation about another day. All right, um, we're gonna get into some more uh, Wisconsin Badger focused talk for all the all the Scotty fans out there, and uh, we can't do that without referencing your impact on the program and how that's carried over to your, your post-hoops life. Um, like we've said, you're, you're one of the leading three-point shooters in Badger history, and you, we haven't mentioned this yet, but you were in here for a Facebook Live for it a couple months ago. You hit one of the most memorable shots of all time uh, in Wisconsin history to tie and eventually beat Michigan, a, a half-court shot your junior year. So how often do people come up to you on the street, one, just talking general hoops and saying, hey, Ben, what's up? And then, two, how often is it the subject matter of that discussion about that that shot at Wisconsin? Yeah, it's almost like I live two, live in two worlds. I mean, at, at times, people do come up to me in Chicago area, um, way more sparingly. Um, but it's like when I cross the border, it's like it's a whole new world um, where people come up to me, and it's just it's crazy. Like, cause, like I live in my own world over here, and I go over there, people are like, Oh my gosh, Ben, how are you? What are you up to? Thank they they usually say thank you for, you know, an awesome four years and thank you for this and a lot of it is the Michigan shot as well. Um, that will live on for quite some time. Um which which was awesome. I, I mean I've I, I still I mean, we talked about it. I love I love that game, I love the memory it was and I loved having two days off after that game as well. Um Yeah, no, I mean Wisconsin fans are great. Like when you go back, they love to just have a conversation and hear what you're doing. And thank you for the time that um, we put at the basketball program because it's at a point now where the program wants to stay at that top level. I mean, it was always like top 25 compete for Big Ten titles, but now it's like you know, Sweet 16 is like the minimum. You know, Sweet 16 yeah, is at minimum, and it's not making an NCAA tournament. It's trying to go past the Sweet 16 or win a Big Ten title, a Big Ten tournament, because it's been done um, more recently than, you know, not that it didn't happen in those 10 years before that, but just way more prevalent and uh, what the what the standards are. Yeah, and I was curious because, I mean, you're not like – you're not Frank Kaminsky or Sam Decker. You're not the tallest guy in the room, so I was wondering how – that affects you, you know, standing out in a crowd and people coming up to you on the street and, and recognizing you. Yeah. And now no, they, and now that you're in commercials that, though. That, yeah, that's that's now, a game changer. Now it's, the, now it's the commercial, which has been funny. Um, I've gotten a, a lot of people tweeting me and, and talking to me about that. And that's surprising to me too. When, when I'm in Madison and I'm just with a buddy as someone who's six one, I'm just like everyone else who's there. Um, but then usually what happens is, is a dom- I, I'm going to call it like a domino effect when I'm with my teammates. They look up at Frank. They obviously know Frank. And then, then immediately they're thinking Wisconsin basketball. 
you know what I mean? And and then right. then they see me and they're like, oh, there, there's whoever. Whereas it wouldn't be as quick to find me um, without them, but still, they still may have a little later if we cross paths or something. But it's just way quicker because everyone's eyes are drawn into a room when a seven footer walks, and that's just natural. Right. And uh, speaking of Frank, you've obviously got to do some pretty cool stuff with the connections you made there. I saw you on Instagram not too long ago golfing with Aaron Rodgers and Frank Kaminsky. What was that like? Yeah, that was fun. I mean, uh, Frank and I do a, a really cool event for Andy North. He runs a cancer benefit where all the proceeds go to the UW Carbone Cancer Center. And um, it's a really great event for a great cause. And Andy wanted Frank and I to um, hang out with all the different groups and just, you know, just network and get to know them and, and, and thank them for helping out in his cause and event. And we were stuck at one hole the whole day, and Aaron came by, and next thing you knew, we were we were just hitting with Aaron all day, and it was a ton of fun. We are listening to music, um, messing around in between groups coming, and gosh, I just I hate talking about it because... I'm a Bears fan, but Aaron's got me like he's so cool, somewhat. right? Yeah, he's so cool, and he's you know pretty good at pretty good at football. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I'm like I root for him every time I watch him now because I've gotten to know him, and um, you know I'm, I'm I think I'm going to Bears Packers on um, my birthday weekend up in you know September 30th before um, before my birthday and my brother's birthday and. I'm going to be rooting for him, probably against the Bears. Um, it, it's just kind of what happens when you're around the culture, you're around the people. Uh, doesn't make, and maybe people will call me, you know, it doesn't make me not a Bears fan. It just makes me root, root for someone who I've gotten to know, and I'm sure they would do the same as well. Yeah, I can't say I know Aaron Rodgers personally, unfortunately, but he has sort of beat me into submission as a, as a Bears fan. Like, I used to play the whole, you know, meatball fan role and be like yeah I hate Aaron Rodgers you know Packers uh. but this dude has been so great for so long and he's ripped my heart out so many times as as the uh, Packers quarterback on Hail Marys on fourth and nines to knock my team out of the uh, playoff hunt and I just can't take it anymore and I just have to accept yeah this guy's this guy's pretty cool uh and there's nothing I can do about it so yeah he's good he's cool and gonna keep beating us for a while so might as well hop on <laughs> right who was uh who was the best golfer out of you three? Oh, aaron's about a four index he's he's a pretty good golfer he's got a smooth swing he's done some pro-am stuff i'm okay i'm not i'm not great i'm not bad um i have my days where i'll shoot um you know high 70s low 80s but most of the time i'm in the mid 80s and that's where i uh that's that's my home and that's not bad it's just not like next level golf. Yeah, it's it's uh it's always interesting to me that these like athletes that are elite in extremely difficult sports are also good at another extremely difficult sport in golf and you hear about guys like Rogers and, and Romo and it's just like man, can these guys leave some for the rest of us and, and, yeah, and let us be let us be good at something? Pro, Seth Curry's playing in a in a pro event, I think uh I think next weekend I saw, which I heard he's a really good golfer and I believe it. His hand eye is ridiculous. Yeah, the handles uh, make me believe it as well. Um, I'm going to get to one question from a fan on Twitter. This could actually turn into like another recurring segment for former Big Ten players that I bring on the show, and I haven't thought of a name for it yet. But um, what was your 
favorite restaurant in Madison, uh, your favorite place to eat during your time in Wisconsin? Oh, that's a really good, I like, that could be a really good segment. Um, you know, you could almost like, when you get every school on and get multiple people on, you can compare and contrast the answers and see, you know, who's in sync. Yeah. Well, we have um, a we have a TV show called uh, Campus Eats, so I can't call the segment Campus Eats because that'd be kind of lame. But uh, the show's really good, and they go to some really cool places. I'm trying to think where they went for they Wisconsin. The but... Dairy Bar at Wisconsin. Yep, yep, they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's definitely a, like a staple. But I, I didn't go there very often. Um, it's too mainstream. To, yeah, too mainstream. Like I found I found some really good breakfast spots that were on the outskirts of Madison, Madison towards Middleton. Um, the original Pancake House, um, unbelievable chocolate chip pancakes. I went to Egg and I a lot, where I had the the Cambridge skillet. Um, Josh Gosser would get the Waffle Egg Express, <laughs> or the uh, Viva La France, which was French toast with a uh, side of eggs and and some veggies. Um, so yeah, no, that those were our go to breakfast spots. Um, man, the. Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, we went to the nitty gritty after virtually every game because that's it was closest to the Cole Center um, for for pure atmosphere. And if it's your birthday, you got to go to the nitty. You got to get a free beer. And you got to embrace the atmosphere. I wouldn't call it the best food, but I call it a really good atmosphere to go check out. All right, um, I have to remember some of those places when I uh, make it back up to Madison. Yeah, so the, the, that's a bunch for you, and I'll leave it at that. I could go right. on and on. All right. Um, so, I definitely, when you agreed to come on the show, I definitely had to ask you about a story and get your reaction to a uh, a story that former Purdue star Robbie Hummel told me on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. It involves your former head coach Bo Ryan and an all-time Big Ten great basketball player Evan Turner. I definitely encourage listeners to go back and listen to that episode. And listen to that story from Robbie. Uh, it's about 40 minutes into the Robbie Hummel episode. But the short version is that these guys were playing on a uh, USA team together at some international event back when they were in college. And Bo Ryan was the coach for that team. And uh, Evan Turner wasn't playing much. This is before his National Player of the Year breakout season. And uh, it was halftime of a game that they were losing or something like that. And he had his headphones on in the locker room during the halftime meeting while Bo Ryan is talking. And Evan Turner is not listening at all. And mid-speech from Bo Ryan, Evan Turner just rips like a huge fart in the middle of the locker room. And Bo Ryan, to his credit, does not break stride at all. He just keeps talking and ignores Turner completely. And Turner plays like – he goes on to play like the least minutes out of anyone on that team. So my question is, does this story like surprise you whatsoever from either Turner's end or – and? Bo Ryan's end because I couldn't get enough of this story. It was hysterical. Yeah, I laughed out. I laughed out loud when Robbie was telling the story. Um, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, Bo, Bo is Bo, and Bo um, sticks to what he knows. And I guess more of the story is they had a lot. They were they were really good and had a lot of talent. But Bo and Evan didn't necessarily see eye to eye on um, the way Evan took care of the ball and you know how Bo is he wants to take care of the ball get get good shots and that's not for everyone and that's why 
you know, Wisconsin's a place where you got to buy into um, what we do, and if you don't, you're not, he, you know, he doesn't care because he's going to find guys who buy in because what he does works. Um, so the story is no surprise, but <laughs> I just I want I want to be taken back in time and put in that locker room. You sure you want to be put in that locker room? You know, Evan Turner's. I, I don't want to be. I don't dropping be stink bombs in there. <laughs> I don't want to be next to Evan Turner. I just want to be like up, at, up, like up overlooking it and just like seeing the reactions of the players and Bo just talking through Evan Turner with the headphones on, just farting. Oh gosh, that's awesome. It had to be priceless to be there. So I was, I was. Uh, I'm not surprised that Bo w- just kept on going. It's <laughs> powered right that, through. That man sticks to what he knows and. Um, he don't care. He don't care. That's why he's, that's why he's Bo. <laughs> All right. Uh, before I let you go, uh, just a couple more questions. Um, and this one is kind of covers the entire big 10. Uh, one thing I don't think that, um, a lot of big 10 fans that are around our age, like twenties, thirties, we're not close to our thirties yet, but you know, millennial big 10 fans. Uh, and this is something that Wisconsin fans are well aware of is that, uh, I don't think they're, Younger people realize that Wisconsin was not always this like athletic behemoth that it is today. Um, the basketball and football programs there had some hard times for a very long time before their uh, kind of current rise to prominence, and they were definitely light years from the Rose Bowls and Final Fours that we've seen recently. And uh, I mean that rise obviously is the the effect of great leadership from guys like Barry Alvarez, Bo Ryan, and uh, just that level of sustained success has been really remarkable. So I want your opinion on, say, uh, say other schools in the Big Ten are where Wisconsin was, you know, 25 years ago. Who do you think, which Big Ten schools do you think uh, have the best chance of maybe making that leap and being the next Wisconsin in both football and basketball and, and getting to that level of sustained success? That's a really, really good question. Um, I wish you would have asked me this before, not because um, I need to, just because, like, it depends for basketball and t- depends for football. And it's really hard to, one, it's, to... It's, yeah, it's, it's hard. To, like, I could find one for basketball, like, oh, well, their football program, no. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I so think... I'm, just, uh, I'm, I'm talking talking out loud. I think... I think Michigan State, but you can't really say that because their basketball program has been elite and their football program. Right. And they kind of were, you know, they kind of were on that Wisconsin level for a shorter period of time, and maybe their football program rebounds. Their football maybe too up and, and down where we can put them in this conversation. Yeah, I don't think Purdue because it's just hard to get football players to West Lafayette. Um, I mean, as an Illinois grad, I know that Illini fans are desperate for something. Obviously, you guys are desperate for it yeah closely resembling closely even resembling wisconsin uh i mean illinois for a long time was plagued by uh poor leadership in the head coaching positions and that really and maybe a lack of foresight in the athletic director positions and then another bad ad hire um before the current one josh whitman and and so that's just going to take a while to dig out from under some of those those bad decisions and i think that they're on the right track right now. We'll see. Um, two other schools that I look at as having potential just with the, the amount of resources and, and uh, fans they have. I, I see 
Minnesota, if things break right for them. Uh, if, I, I was just going to say, like, don't say Minnesota. Just, <laughs> I, know you're a, I know Wisconsin fans won't want to hear it, and I don't think it'll be easy to, you know, uh, build a football program like Wisconsin has, but it, it all depends, I think, on Flex sticking around as a football coach because I, I think uh, Patino, if he chooses, can 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 build that thing there into, into something sustainable if he stays and then a flex stays. So I don't know. I look at them as just, you know, redoing their facilities, having a good year in basketball and having a electric young coach that that's something if it breaks right could turn into to a long-term success, but obviously there's a lot up in the air. And then uh, Maryland on the East coast, I know their football has been off the map for a while, but they're, they had a really good recruiting class um, recently. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Maryland football just yet, but, uh, They've had a great basketball program for a long time, so I think if they can just you know get football up and running with the resources they have and that recruiting area, just both in football and basketball, is fantastic out in, in the D.C. area. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think we're on the same page. Just even though I'm a Badger fan, like I could see Minnesota potentially being a school like that. I think Illinois is in the right direction um, with Lovey, and I'm blanking on um, Brad Underwood's uh, under, the Underwood, coach. Underwood, yeah. Underwood. Um, I think he did a great job at Oklahoma State in one year to get them the tournament. Obviously, he had talent there. Um, doesn't have a Jawan Evans type player at Illinois yet, but if he can, you know, if he can recruit the right type player um, that Illinois is right for, and Lovey can get the football program on the right track, they could be. Um, don't have faith because I'm just, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't see it right now. Um, right, and again, these not- things take. It takes time. This takes these time. are long builds. Yeah, this this is this is not just an overnight thing. So I think we've identified three to keep our eye on, um, but it'd be interesting to see how it plays out. For sure. All right. Um, last question. It's going to be all about Wisconsin basketball, and it's going to be much more short-term future. I want to get your thoughts on how the Badgers project next season. They lose Bronson Koenig. Nigel Hayes, uh, Vito Brown, Zach Showalter. So how do you see them making up for those losses? Because Wisconsin always seems to reload no matter what. How do you see next season playing out? Yeah, so I'm very intrigued myself, to be honest. This is a very interesting year, a year that Wisconsin hasn't really seen in a while um, in terms of turnover and, and the different guys with experience. I mean, besides Ethan Happ, I think you, you can say, like, it's wide open. It is completely wide open after Ethan Happ. I mean, you have some guys that you're, you know, you know, you're like, oh, he he should do this, he should do that, he should make the jump, but they haven't. So it, it's wide open, and that's what you want in a program um, that that has sustained success. You you want you want competition. You want these guys fighting for those spots where they've learned from the people above them and how it works and, and how the program works. So I'm never going to not pick them in the top four of the Big Ten until that fails. So I'm going to say fourth in the Big Ten. Um, just because of the lack of experience, it would be tough for them to compete for the title this year. Um, I think Demetri Trice is a pretty good point guard. Ethan Happ, uh, they'll probably go Pritzel and Khalil. I think Khalil has a good opportunity to make a big jump. Um, you know, I was really hoping um, 
they would have took a stab at maybe bringing in an experienced forward. Um, they're not very deep on the front line outside of Ethan. They've had their struggles finding someone to fit in there. Um, Charlie Thomas and Alex Ocanen kind of juggled back and forth trying to figure out who could be that next guy. Um, they ended up going a little less deep down the bench later in the year, as Wisconsin always does. Um, but at least they have some experience to build off of. Um, I don't know. I'm intrigued by this team. I'm intrigued by what's going to happen, and I'll be watching very intently. Um, but I won't pick them outside the top four, I'll say that much. <laughs> I don't blame you for that. Wisconsin always – I think they're on some unreal streak right now of finishing the top four of the Big Ten, aren't they? Since both started. Yeah, that's – it's unbelievable. I mean, when I covered Illinois basketball for a few years, I mean, fans would kill to be in the top four at this point. It's such it's, it was seen as such a lofty accomplishment, and Wisconsin has just done it for you know two decades. So that's yeah. I mean, our fans it's, are spoiled. it's a safe bet. Yeah. They're spoiled, and that's that's not a bad thing. Absolutely. All right, Ben. Uh, that's all I got for you. I appreciate you joining me for uh, the last hour plus, and um, definitely be. Tuning in, continuing to tune in to you Fundamentally Sound podcast. Keep up the good work over there, and I appreciate you joining me. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it again. Um, I'm sure we can we can um, you know get in more depth into the Big Ten and um, some predictions there, and um, do some stuff as time goes on. And that was a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, everyone enjoyed the randomness of the stories and. Um, just the whole podcast. I thought that was I thought that was a good good time, and we had some fun. And um, hopefully, everyone enjoys. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Ben for joining me, and thanks out there to everyone for listening. As you can tell, Ben obviously has a ton of good insight to offer on college hoops and, and sports in general, and we tried to pack as much of that as we could into this this episode. And be on the lookout for Ben on the big screen in the next five years. That acting career could turn into something. You never know. And if that doesn't work out, he'll always have his podcasting skills that he's grooming over there at the Fundamentally Sound Podcast. So just wrapping up here, I want to thank, as always, uh, Wes White and John Castelli for producing. And, of course, thanks to everyone out there again for listening. And we'll talk to you next time on Take 10.